afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we speak of oneness a lot these days, but what do we mean when we say that term? And what is duality? What is it like to live in oneness? Is it possible that we're actually in a unique period of spiritual transformation that through divisiveness can lead us to unity, even to oneness? These are some of the questions we're going to answer today as we speak to Robert Atkinson, PhD, and the author of the book, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness. We speak of being one with all as if we truly understand for whom the bell tolls. But do we understand the depth and gravity of living as one with all, including the divine? So you want to be here for this show. These are going to be some really important questions. This book that he's written is exceptional. I've really enjoyed reading it. Robert Atkinson's PhD is a member of the Evolutionary Leaders and is an internationally acknowledged authority on life story interviewing, personal myth-making, and soul-making. He's a professor emeritus at the University of Southern Maine and director of Story Commons. His nine books include his newest, a Nautilus Silver Award winner and bestseller, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness, which Michael Bernard Betwith called a must-read by the widest of global audiences. You can learn more about Robert Atkinson at his website, which is http uh, www.robertatkinson.net and that's R-O-B-E-R-T-A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N.net um, So welcome, Bob, to our show today. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Thanks, Andrea. It's great to be with you. All right. Well, thank you first for writing this wonderful book. It's, uh, it's really an excellent read, and, and you did a lot of really important work in trying to get the information in this book out there. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you for your interest. Okay. Thanks for having me. Let's get some questions started here. You speak of spiritual epics and how the patterns of spiritual growth mirror the patterns of the physical universe. That is one of the most phenomenal concepts, I think, that we need to talk about today. So can you say more about this, particularly mm-hmm. as it relates to this historical period we're in now? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, so w- what I'm doing in the book is I'm taking a big picture perspective of humanity's conscious evolution. And when we do that, you know, we step back and we take a look at everything that's happened over the centuries and over the millennia. And as we do that, we get a, we gain a much broader, uh, inclusive perspective of everything that's been going on over the last few millennia. And, um, you know, so when things started out, um, the, um, the universe was created by the creator according to the function, according to uh, one universal law. And when that's carried out, um, that means that everything in the creation is part of that, that one reality. And so everything starts as a oneness and kind of goes from there. Uh, the, the indigenous, the original indigenous peoples uh, observed that, observed the cycles of the seasons and all the other ways in which the one universal law was expressed in nature. 
and they learned from that and they they incorporated that concept of of growth and renewal growth decline and renewal into their rites of passage and that really began an ongoing continuous process that I think of as a series of spiritual epics that we've been that we that humanity has lived through and so when we think about that we have to what what really comes to mind is the uh, the world's major prophets uh, including Krishna Abraham Moses Zoroaster Buddha Jesus Muhammad and Baha'u'llah, the founder of the Baha'i faith in the mid-19th century, they've each in their own time changed the course of human life over the last 4,000 years or so. And each has brought about a leap of consciousness with each new epoch that they've initiated. So we're in the what I think of as the early stages or the, the uh, springtime of the current spiritual epoch, which is really only a century and three quarters old now. And as you take a look at, uh, you know, at the big picture perspective, look at all of those spiritual epics, you can notice that they all lasted for many centuries. So we're only um, a very short way into what's going to be uh, uh, what is a new spiritual epic that will last for many more centuries, you know, eight, 10, 12 centuries or so, typically. And and so we're just in the spiritual springtime of what's beginning to unfold now. And and it's, and that makes it, I think, really even more exciting to think about um, the possibilities of what can become, what will become possible, um, not only today, but even more so in the future as we move further along into and, and watch this um, and, and be part of this um, current spiritual epic that unfolds from its springtime into its summertime. Uh, so it's, it's, an, it's an exciting time to be living, really. Well, there's a lot of people out there right now that would say it's not a very exciting time to be living. It's a very <laughs> frightening and frustrating time to be living. So how do you help yeah. those people come to terms with that? That's one of the, how, how do you, how do you help people to understand that this is a, that they are, and we are all in an evolutionary process? Yeah, well, that's the first thing we have to keep in mind is that it is an ongoing, long-term evolutionary process. And, and what that process is made up of is a series of cycles. And, and one really good way to look at those series of cycles is, is the uh, cycle of the seasons. And so we know uh, summer follows spring and then winter and, and uh, fall and winter. But it's also a cycle of, of growth and, and um, uh, building out, uh, coming into our fullness. And 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 we're not even there yet in in the current spiritual epic, but but the thing about that cycle that is is really what makes up the primary universal law that everything is that everything in the universe and the creation is is built upon that cycle uh, goes through its phases. And it, 
it wouldn't we wouldn't um, get to a new springtime without the winter, and and so that translates into um, one of the way one of the other ways I'd like to look at it, and it's really um, sort of a story model way of looking at that process. Which you know we're all familiar with the story model uh, consisting of beginning, middle, and end. But the way that we don't normally typically understand the story model perspective is that it also can be seen as being made up of beginning, muddle, and resolution. And that's, a, that's really where we are now. I mean, we're, when we look at it in terms of spiritual epics, we're so early into the latest epic that it still feels like winter. And so we're in a phase, we're still in that muddle phase that is leading into, leading us into the, the resolution phase. And so we've got a lot to go through yet, um, because we, we are still in the end part of that muddle phase, which is, which is where the chaos comes from that we're experiencing now, seeing all around us and the, and the confusion and the conflict. And all of that is part of the muddle phase, but um, it's also um, part of a, 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 one of the principles that I use in the book to explain this whole process is the principle of transformation, because that's really what it is. And so, we're, uh, what the what the principle of transformation is based on is that. Um, Opposition is a catalyst to transformation. So we, we really wouldn't make significant progress without some kind of opposition or without opposing forces being in play all around us. And that's what we're seeing so much of in the world today is the, um, the, uh, uh, the opposing forces and, and, and that they're really... Um, uh, the, uh, they really are the catalyst for transformation. And, and not only the catalyst, they're necessary for transformation to, to come about and to complete itself. So, there's, um, it, so one, one of the lessons we have to learn today collectively as well as individually is that um, there's, a, there's a purpose to adversity uh, and, and there's, a, there's a, a necessity for adversity. We're kind of in the dark night of the collective soul right now, and so there are these things that it's so it's become so much easier to to recognize those 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 opposing forces all around us, and um, you know it's part it's partly about not um, letting ourselves get in, get get um, too drawn in by that temporary place in the cycle where um, opposing forces do confront each other, it, it can be really easy to get lost or get, get um, kind of blinded by that confrontation of opposing forces. But if we continue to step back and look at the whole process from that big picture perspective, we recognize that without these Without the conflict of opposing forces, there wouldn't be the, the leap forward in consciousness 
that is happening now at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, that idea that uh, unity is a result of conscious confrontation of opposing forces, which is the principle you talk about in the book, is is one of those things that I, I think Carl Jung talked a lot about in the individual psychology, and, and you're putting that together in, in a collective kind of uh, way of looking at it. Is that correct? That's correct, for sure, because the, um, the individual is a reflection of the collective. And, you know, that there's the, um, the perennial philosophy saying of as above, so below. That's the principle there where um, it, uh, the one reflects the other and, and can be found in the other. So, yeah, it's, it's the same process happening on both the individual level and the collective level at the same time. And, right. and Carl Jung was the one who really identified that and... and um, but that's also reflected in in many of the spiritual teachings of the uh, over the uh, over the many spiritual epics that we've had um, in the course of our long uh, history as a species. Um, one of the other um, so, so one of the uh, current uh, one of the quotes that I like to think about in relation to this uh, from the uh, from the Baha'i writings, which is the, represents the current spiritual epoch we're in, they say, far from signalizing the end of civilization, the convulsive changes toward which humanity is being ever more rapidly impelled will serve to release the potentialities inherent in the station of man and reveal the full, the full measure of his destiny on earth. All the signs indicate that a sea change in human consciousness is underway. So that's an interesting um, example of the way that the what what is going on in the real world all around us is is already there and and available to us in the sacred writings of the world's religions throughout time. Yes, yes, yes. I remember Jesus talking about. you know, not to resist evil um, and to turn the other cheek. And I, I think a lot of times we interpret that strictly in terms of relationship, but actually um, it has everything to do with just the whole idea of suffering and and opposing forces in general. And uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's, I think that's really true. And I think I've seen that. I've noticed that as I've been sort of observing myself as this political time has gone on right now. And there's a lot of, divisiveness in our in the United States about the political uh, agendas of each side of that opposing force the opposing forces and mm-hmm. and uh, what I'm noticing is that the more hate there is the more love there is uh, it seems That's like right. people are becoming more conscious of love as people become more conscious or are more demonstrative of their hate so I think that's interesting that's exactly what happens. That that that's the the way the process works, um, and 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 all the uh, all the sacred writings of all traditions agree on that point too. That um, that uh, in, in terms of hate and love as the opposing forces, it'll there'll never be a time when when hate or hatred can overtake or overwhelm or overpower the force of love. 
that's just a given uh, kind of spiritual truth or reality. So as as you were saying, as as the force of hate or hatred becomes greater at certain times, the force of love will will rise to become even greater than, than the other. Uh, yeah, and, and that, that's the way. Yes, that's the way it's worked throughout throughout time. Yeah, it's hard for us to look back on our history and find the love in there, but I think what we miss is the everyday stuff that goes on in each person's individual life that won't be found in our history books. Right. There's so many examples of that. I mean, if we and and that's probably the or the the main one of the main places where it will be found is in our own individual lives when we um by chance or 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 when we least expect it, examples of love being manifest in our lives and, and around us and and toward us, for us, um, that that becomes um, the the real deeper stuff of how how uh, the the transformational process is really taking place, uh, and, and it happens. Um, so we we see that uh, you know if we can remember and identify and and keep in mind really those kinds of examples where where love just kind of springs up out of nowhere or when we might least expect it uh, we that helps us remember that uh, life is made up of a, a series of ongoing conflicts and struggles that are meant to move us along the developmental path that we're designed to move along. And, and it, it's without, it, it's not going to be, I mean, the process along that developmental path will be a lot slower and, and, and not as noticeable or recognizable without those, those opposing forces coming into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are people out there saying, don't tell me there's a reason behind my suffering. But what you're saying is it, it not only is helping us individually, but also as a collective. We just have a few more, you know, well, less than a minute really to talk about this before the break. But I wanted to just kind of say this is one of those things I think we struggle with the most is why are we suffering? And what you're saying is that we, there's, a, there's a process to it that it is, is all about love and is all about our transformation. That's exactly what it's all about, and 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 Jung addressed that directly too when he said uh, there is no balance, no system of self-regulation without opposition. Nothing so promotes the growth of growth of consciousness as this inner confrontation of opposites. Only here, in life on Earth, where opposites clash together, can the general level of consciousness be raised. So that's a quote from Jung, and and, and it, that's it's through that. Through that, the clash of opposing forces, like you were saying, that, that consciousness is raised. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to take a break now, and we're going to be back in just a few minutes. So uh, you want to stay tuned. This is a very interesting conversation, and there's yet much more to learn. So be right back after these messages. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
learn to see things from a spiritual perspective. It changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Dr. Robert Atkinson about his book, The Story of Our Time from Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness. And what we've been saying so far is that there are that we are in a in a unique phase of human evolution in which we are evolving to a greater understanding of who we are in the process of becoming one, and uh, that that is a very interesting and fascinating topic to me. And so we're going to talk some more about that. And I hope you're really enjoying it. I think it it really does help me just individually. It helps me to sort of get a little piece about my own personal struggles, my own personal oppositions and my confrontations with those opposing forces, that uh, as I walk through those things and, you know, uh, I become transformed more and more, and it just helps me trust that process more and more. So this is an essential book in terms of our historical and collective evolution as well. So, Bob, you describe consciousness as a potentiality set in motion by an organic process. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, um yeah, we're we're kind of born with a potential that just like a just like a seed that becomes a tree, we have that same potential that we're born with, and and uh, you know we go through the stages of life, and uh, depending on the kinds of experiences we have, the circumstances of our lives, and everything that that can, that process can be um, 
can become clear to us or it can become subtle or or what's really going on, maybe even uh, unconscious to us. But the the potential that we're all born with is to come to the realization, and this is, uh, again, found in all the world's uh, sacred writings of all the traditions, um, that um, we're not just physical or human beings, we're also uh, spiritual beings with a soul and a spirit. And that's really where our potential lies, is, is in the development of our soul. So as we develop physically, biologically, we're also developing spiritually. And what that is a process of is becoming more aware of and more in tune with, more in touch with our own soul, which is what, which is the part of us that links us to the creator. And as we become more aware of that and conscious of the process and, and really, um, seek to um, pursue that, we, we find that we are given experiences that help us along in that, in that journey toward uh, realizing how our own soul connects us with our creator. So, so that's an ongoing process, and, and that's the way the, poten- the potentiality within us becomes fulfilled. And, and one of the most important ways right now for that to happen is for, and, and this is really um, one of the most, also one of the most important human rights that we're, you know, that we're born with, that we're all born with, and, and that's the, the right to seek truth on our own. Uh, if we don't realize that or don't attempt to seek truth on our own, we can become overwhelmed by things that are leading us in the opposite direction from where we uh, really are intended to be going. And so today we're, we're faced with um, the, uh, the, the whole process of, of um, alternative facts and alternative reality coming into play and, and, and one of the um, uh, terms that became that, that was added to the Oxford Dictionary uh, last year or the year before was, was um, post-truth and that's a, that's a that term is totally antithetical to who we are as human and spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we understand that there are these, there are not only these opposing forces that we talked about before going on all around us, there's also the, the, the need to separate faults from the true. And that's been um, true in every spiritual epic, but even more important right now. And so it's become a, a spiritual principle in this spiritual epic to investigate reality for ourselves, to seek truth on our own and for ourselves, rather than accepting what uh, someone else might want to 
tell us was the truth. It has to be, we have to determine for ourselves whether it is or not. And in that process, I mean, that, that's not only how we fulfill the potential that we're born with, it's also, interestingly enough, how we will, as more and more people become aware of that as an important human right and an important process to, to undergo in our own lives, the more we'll find that truth is one and that humanity is one and that we all have way more in common than we thought we had before we had gotten this far along in, in that journey. So it's a, it's a really a multifaceted process that not only fulfills our own individual potential, it's, a, it's an individual process that's needed also to fulfill our collective potential. Yes. Yes. Which is yes, the, the I, process I, of, of seeking truth. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's so interesting right now as we see so many people talking about lies coming out of one particular segment of the party and the other one accusing the other side of lying. And, and, you know, and then what's happening as a result of that is people are beginning to seek the truth. People are doing their own individual research. And there's a lot of questions about uh, whether or not one particular set of, of a religious, organized religion uh, has the final say about what the truth is. And now there's a lot of questions being raised about that, which makes people, again, turn inward to look for truth and maybe turn to others' resources to find truth. So I, I think that process is being displayed right before our very eyes. So, I, you know, what, yeah. is the organic, what is the organic part of that process? What do you mean when you say it's set in motion by an organic yeah. process? Well, that, yeah, that's a good question. Um, a good part of that question is, so the organic part of that refers to I mean, it's similar to natural in that um, it's really a process that was put in motion by the creator, and 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 that's that's about as organic as anything can get when it when it's a mm-hmm. part of the process that the creator has put in motion for us to to kind of live into. Um, yeah. And and even though it is an organic process designed and given to us by the Creator as a way for us to fulfill our individual and collective potential, it's not going to happen automatically. It has to happen through and because of our own will, individual and collective will. So so it's, a, it's an organic process, but it also needs our own um, individual and collective assistance uh, to, to, uh, for it to become a reality and, yeah. and, uh, and to fulfill the potential that's in that process. Okay. So you also say that justice maintains the inherent balance of life. What do you mean by that? Well, that's an interesting one, too, because when you look at just, I mean, so the, um, maybe a good place to begin with that is just to um, bring to mind the not only the universality but the timelessness of the golden rule and and we all know you know some version of that every tradition and and many secular traditions have their own 
slightly different version of the golden rule, which is um, to do unto others as you have them do unto you. But it's interesting that when you look at what's really one of, if not the most recent expression of the golden rule, the one one that's um, found in the Baha'i teachings, that's the first time and first place where um, just the, where the where the golden rule is given a preface to it, because um, the Baha'i version of the golden rule is, um, if thine eyes be turned towards justice, choose thou for thy neighbor that which thou choosest for thyself. So that beca- that makes the golden rule justice in action. I mean, it turns the golden rule into justice in action. Mm-hmm. But the point about justice being really the foundation of the golden rule is that justice is another one of those divine principles that is is really uh, meant to bring about unity. And, and what we have experienced for centuries or millennia even is almost the opposite of that. When, when we think about the system of justice that's been in place for so long, what the term that comes to mind probably first in terms of a system of justice is a, is a punitive system of justice, you know, an mm-hmm. eye for an eye. And that's been around for so long that we kind of got misled in terms of really understanding the, 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 the true spiritual meaning of, of justice. And so to, to turn that around, to, to move it from, to move justice from being a punitive system, what, what would be the alternative or the opposite? Well, all you got to do is remove the P from punitive, and you have unitive justice. And that's really what justice was designed to be. And, and, and the way it is in some, the way it is played out and carried out in some communities, mostly traditional or indigenous communities, uh, they are, they have a justice system based on, uh, on unity. So, so it's called a unitive system of justice. And this is what is most needed in the world now on a, on a larger global scale. And, and so we need it. We're in the really early stages of coming to, first of all, the awareness of the need and then making that need manifest to have a global system of justice that would create unity ultimately, rather than separate people or, you know, any of those things that have happened before. And, and this happens, in, so, so the unitive system has already been, has been in place for so long in indigenous traditional communities when uh, instead of um, separating the perpetrator after some uh, crime or whatever it was, the perpetrators actually brought in and made kept part of the community and even offered a place in the, maybe even in the same family that there was some, um, some aggression toward. And, and through that uh, taking in the, uh, 
a whole new and different kind of bond of unity is created between the family that were the, um, the recipients of the violence or the or the whatever it was, and and the perpetrator, and and that that's what creates the unity, and and that's what makes it a unitive system of justice, and and that can be. Uh, you know, as organizations like the United Nations becomes more mature in its own development, the United Nations is only, what, 73 years old now. Yep. And, and uh, that, so, so that in terms of the growth of global organizations like the United Nations, that's still in its infancy. And so uh, we... There are people within um, a number of NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are part of the United Nations, that are already talking about how to uh, bring about a global system of unitive justice. So that's in the works, and who knows how long that'll take. But we will eventually, as a you know, as a everything else in our and humanity's conscious evolution has played out, so will the evolution of justice as it becomes, as it moves closer toward becoming, uh, as the as a unitive system of justice becomes closer to becoming a reality, that'll will move closer to the to a mature stage of justice in in humanity's evolution. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that, that is such a hopeful process, and it's and as you've said in the book, it is based in love. It's uh, and it's and it's and when I think about the golden rule, I think I, I call it the empathy rule. Um, so justice is based in uh, that kind of empathy that understands that your feeling is also somebody else's feeling, and that their feeling is also your feeling, and that you're you know when you treat them as you want to be treated, then you're recognizing that that reality that we all have the same kinds of feelings and we all have the same kind of responses to those kind of things. So uh, right. we have so much more to talk about. I wish we had hours and hours to talk about it, but we don't. So um, we only have one more minute before the break, actually probably just a little bit less than that. And uh, so I don't want to get into a long topic right now, but I do want to, uh, I do want to say that ho- that whole thing about justice is, so very valuable. I loved what you said about taking the P off of, of a, a punitive and calling it unitive because that 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 whole idea is based in, entirely in empathy for other people and that need to be a collective oneness. So we're going to talk some more about these things. We're going to talk some more about these yeah. things right after the break. Uh, we're going to take a break right now and hear some commercial messages and we'll be right back after that to talk some more to Bob Atkinson about his book, The Story of Our Time. From duality to interconnectedness to oneness. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work, and you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you frustrated that you can't seem to achieve your goals? Stop struggling and discover your power on Creatrix, creating the life you want, hosted by Amira Mondin. This show features the world's most intriguing guests, ready to guide you to self-realization using the powerful gift of your own mind. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you sometimes feel powerless over your own life? Does it seem like you're living for someone else, unsure of what your purpose is, or if you even have an important voice? It's time to take back that control. Tune in to Empowered with Des and Jen. They've been in the same place and have learned to regain control of their lives. They also feature amazing guests who share experiences of how they have found success. Start on your journey by listening Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today to Bob Atkinson, the author of The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness. And we're having an amazing discussion about this process that is always organic and always happening, that is evolutionary from the beginning of creation to now to our future, that is going to carry us to a, a, a oneness. And uh, the, the trust in that process is very difficult to come by for a lot of us at this particular juncture in our history, and that's why it's important to talk about it. So before we go any further, I want to talk a little bit. I want to ask you, Bob, if you will, to tell the listening audience how they might connect with you and any events you have coming up that you'd like to share. Yeah, sure. And I, before I get to that, I just wanted to um, emphasize what you just said about the importance of trusting in the process that we're in the midst of here. I mean, it's it's um, similar to the birth process, of course, and so as... as um, all women know you have to trust that process of birth because it's going to happen whether you're ready or not, and, and it is happening uh, all around us, and we're, we're the midwives of that process. But, um, so, so trust is really key um, to, the, to the process completing itself. Um, yeah, probably the best way to, get to, uh, to keep up with what I'm doing and what's going on in my life would be to check my website, uh, which was mentioned before, robertatkinson.net. And I have um, quite a bit on there. Um, I don't 
um, have too much uh, coming up right in the immediate future, but there'll be some things that, I, I mean, there are some things that I'm working on that'll be, that may be on online, some webinars and uh, online courses and um, some workshops in the uh, spring. Actually, I do have a, another book coming out in April, and I'll just quickly mention that. Um, that's, um, that book is called Year of Living Deeply, a memoir of 1969. And this is actually the 50th anniversary edition of that memoir because of because 2019 will be the 50th anniversary of the year of my memoir, which included uh, my experiences of things like the moonwalk, uh, attending Woodstock, uh, meeting and sailing on the Hudson River with Pete Seeger um, and his singing crew that I was the only non-singing uh, crew member with. Uh, other adventures like um, meeting Joseph Campbell and having both of them, Pete Seeger and Joseph Campbell, become my mentors at that time. And other other adventures like um, visiting Arlo Guthrie at his farm in the Berkshires and living in a cabin in the woods and uh, being a, a guest in a Franciscan monastery and then returning to the college that I'd graduated from three years earlier to teach a course in folk rock lyrics as poetry, all of which was preparing me for that uh, return to teach that course. So it's a really fascinating uh, memoir, uh, and um, there'll be some some things happening in, from April on around that book, as well as the book that we're talking about. Well, I'm looking forward to that. That sounds very interesting. So we'll be we'll be paying attention to that. Um, I want to talk about one of the uh, one of the principles in your book. You have several principles in your book, so I don't want to uh, let the listening audience know uh, think that we there are just a few. There are several principles that you mentioned in the book that are very very important, and then several other ideas that go along with those that that add understanding to it. So we and we just don't have enough time to do all of it today. But I do want to talk about one that I think is really difficult for us as humans to really swallow. And that's that that reality is one. So that's the first part of it. And global harmony is inevitable. And that's the second part of it. There's so many people out there. And it's not just uh, the of people of the Western religion, Christian religion that are teaching it, um, that, that there's going to come an end time and that there's going to be terrible, you know, things happen before the end time. And then... And, uh, and then the people, some people are going to be separated and some are going to go to hell and some are going to go to heaven. There's that idea. There's also a lot of people out there talking about the possibility that we could just destroy the earth, whether they're of any kind of faith or not. They're talking about how we, it's just, it just seems inevitable that we're going to destroy the earth and we're going to end in a bang, not a whimper. And it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of talk about that. But, but, but what you talk about here and what I also believe is that global harmony is inevitable. So I want to talk about those two things. Reality is one and global harmony is inevitable. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the key and, it's re- and, and really important to keep those in mind, remember, and, and to become part of the process that we're all uh, part of to bring, to, to bring that about. Um, so kind of, I mean, there are many ways to, um, many places to point to in the world's sacred scripture to, to uh, support the 
concept or principle that reality is one, it's kind of like the Buddha has said, um, all things originate from one essence, develop according to one law, and are destined to one aim. I mean, he, it's all right there in that little simple statement. We come from one, the same origin. We develop according to the same law, and we're all destined to the same aim or ultimate goal. And but that doesn't mean that, you know there's a lot of details and uh, to fill in between that uh, those phrases of that short sentence that really sums it all up. But um, we are being guided back toward our primordial consciousness of oneness. And, and it, one interesting way to, to think of that process is that um, humanity, and this goes back to the original indigenous peoples of the earth, um, they were born with a consciousness of oneness because they were able to observe, identify, and make sense of the oneness that they saw all around them. And they lived in harmony with each other. And then, but then that was the very beginning of humanity's conscious evolution. And from there, we spread out to, to populate the entire globe. And as we did spread out, um, different communities and different cultures came in contact with each other and that created uh, some conflict and some difficulty and some all of the things that we've come to know as um, the results of basic conflict like like aggression and war and those things so we've we've had a long and that very long process really shifted us from consciousness of oneness to a consciousness of duality and we've been living with that for so many millennia already now but an interesting thing is happening now we're in the midst of this transformation it's a global transformation that we can see signs of everywhere especially when we acknowledge that there are opposing forces that that create and that and that really um, help that process along where we're going next is we're reclaiming, we're in the process of reclaiming our original consciousness of oneness. So, so a big picture perspective of humanity's conscious evolution is one of going from a consciousness of oneness to a consciousness of duality, and now we're in the process of, of going back to reclaiming that consciousness of oneness. And, and that's playing out, and and because that's all part of the organic process that was set in motion at the beginning of time. And because every sacred tradition has that as part of their, their um, future perspective, that there will be a time of, it, it can, it's been called various things like peace on earth, um, uh, a golden age, there's so many terms like that, describing the same kind of thing and the same process that we're at the very early stages of moving towards. So, and, and that's, and because it's part of that organic process set in place and in motion at the beginning of time, 
it's being been, it's always been playing out, and we're getting uh, so much closer to that. We have now, we have, and we have the, the tools and everything we need, pretty much, to to bring that into being. But it's not going to happen. I mean, the the fulfillment of what all the world's religions and sacred traditions promise is not going to happen on its own. And, and if we let it let things uh, just uh, happen on their own. Uh, the a global transformation of consciousness is underway and, and it's becoming already the most formidable force uh, in the world. And, and that, that is the force of integration, the force of wholeness that is moving us toward that consciousness of oneness. So there are some uh, recent current sacred writings that talk about why, how and why this, this um, outcome is, is um, inevitable. The Baha'i writings say that um, world peace is not only possible, it's inevitable. And that's because um, we're in a developmental process that's going on now, and we, we've already achieved unity on the family level Many many centuries ago, we've achieved unity on the on the uh, tribal level. We've achieved unity on the city-state level. We've even achieved unity on the national level. All that's left to achieve unity in our uh, growth and maturation process is world unity. And so the high writings say that world unity is the hallmark of the stage which human society is now approaching the goal towards which a harassed humanity is striving. Nation building has come to an end. A world growing to maturity must recognize the oneness and wholeness of human relationships and establish once and for all the machinery that can best incarnate this fundamental principle of its life. So that's where we're headed towards. Uh, and that's why it's inevitable, but it's not going to happen without us because every birth process needs its midwives, and we are those midwives that are going to help this process along. So, so peace is not only possible, it's also inevitable, but it also depends upon the prerequisite of fully adopting, implementing, and putting into action the spiritual principles that will bring about world unity. So the tools are there. We know what the outcome is that we want to achieve. It's a matter of putting those spiritual principles to work and, and putting them into practice. And, and one with of those... All, with the, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so so it's, it's a process that um, involves and includes what we were talking about earlier, the, the opposing forces. And, and this is, and for this birth process to play itself out fully and for us to achieve the peace that's been promised for so many centuries, um, that, that force of love is what will uh, overcome the uh, forces of oppression and aggression and all those others. Yes, and I think that's, it's fascinating to me to think about that whole thing that that reality, it, there's only one reality. 
we can have a consciousness of duality, but that's not really true. There isn't really two. There's really one. There's one, only one reality. And, and, uh, and so we, we, we have come to believe and we've come to uh, differentiate ourselves from that reality by, by living in duality as if it's the truth. But the, the, but the real truth is that oneness is all we all are and all we ever have been and that global harmony is therefore inevitable, and that the fact is that, as you said in your book, unity is the result of conscious confrontation of opposing forces. So the more we see these opposing forces, the closer we are to unity, and that's the hope and the, the chaos that we see in our today's world. So we, we, as, we, as we process through what's going on in today's world, we have to, you know, this, I hope this show will help us all to kind of look at the, the, the global harmony that is inevitable that's coming out of the very chaos that we're in right now. So thank you again, uh, Bob, for your book. Thank you for the time you spent explaining it to us today. And I highly recommend this book to our listening audience, The Story of Our Time, From Duality to Interconnectedness to Oneness by Robert Atkinson. It's a very strong and powerful book. Uh, I really recommend it. So again, thank you, Bob, for being here. And uh, to our listening audience, remember your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 